You are listening to the Holy Cannoli Podcast. It's all about making sense of life, who we are, and why we're here. Life is sacred and life is strange. And here's our dad, Tony Gapastone. Hey, episode 65 going live right now. It's not really going live, but I'm putting it out there. Oh man, y'all, I'm tired. It is Saturday morning and I'm recording this introduction. It's a beautiful, foggy October morning here in 2022. And let me give you a quick recap of this week. I started a class, an online class teaching called Ministry Shift. Let me repeat that, Ministry Shift. There is a T, but there's also an F, Shift. (laughs) You really hear the T sometimes, miniature shift. Uh, and it's there's six of us in this uh, little workshop kind of cohort entrepreneurial space, and we're talking about starting things that are different, that are alternative, that are quote-unquote considered and should be ministry and extensions of the church, but aren't always seen as that. Much like when I started Brave Maker, I kind of had to convince myself and I feel as if I had to convince a ton of other people that this was a calling from God, that this was something that I could view as a legitimate expression of the skills and abilities that God had given to me. And if I'm honest, I still wrestle with this. It is a daily grind uh, being this entrepreneur who believes that you know, films and television and kind of community experiences can, and entertainment can be a form of life change, can be a way to impact and create culture. So I'm telling you this because this week I did this class. I was totally feeling imposter syndrome. I was questioning, why am I even teaching this? How, what could I even offer these six people? I, I feel as if I'm still floundering, but then I had to kind of pick myself up, pull the bootstraps up and go, you know what? Four years, it is, it has worked. I'm still here somehow. Uh, I, I do still feel the anxiety of the future, the uncertainty of will we be able to sustain this? Can I, uh, I'm seeing, you know, this organization that I've built, uh, go through transition, you know, board, people come on the board, people have come off the board, volunteers have come and gone. We've had conflict where I've had to step back and recognize I made a bad leadership decision. I put the wrong person in a place they weren't fully equipped to, or I, they weren't fully equipped to, to lead or serve or work and, or I missed some signs, you know, or I gave, I started somebody too soon who didn't have the competence uh, or chemistry in their role to be effective and therefore things were dropped and broken. And oh, some, some of these decisions cost me thousands of dollars. I had, you know, an editor who did not quite know how to effectively be an editor and we lost tons, uh, almost my whole movie footage, and I had to spend near $2,000 to get the footage back. Oh my gosh. And I am in the midst of still healing from that and still trying to move forward and get this film, Last Chance Charlene, out in the world. Oh my gosh. Uh, This is not a venting and or therapy session, so I'm going to stop. But I share all that because if you are listening, I hope in some way you identify or can identify with the feelings of just being lost and insecure, uh, but know that God has called you to do something, much like 
I talk about in this podcast today. I am with the Reverend Meg Biddle, who does her own podcast called Ministry Mondays, and I have the privilege of being on the show. And so I am just going to use that as our episode today, episode 65, and encourage you to reach out to me if this is resonating with you in any way. I'm so glad to be back doing Holy Cannoli. Again, why did I come back? Because I went and looked at the statistics and said, oh my gosh, there's like five, six, seven hundred, almost a thousand views or listens on some of these episodes. And so I thought, there's an audience out there, and I appreciate it, and I want to continue to do good as much as I can to help other people. And so thank you. Thank you to my friend Larry, who uh, we reached out on another topic, and he said, I got a notification that Holy Cannoli was back, and that made me feel so great that, Larry, you are listening and appreciate the, the context and the conversation. Things are changing, you all. Things are changing. The world is changing. The church is changing. Many people will miss it. Many churches will close. Many people will walk away from institutions, organizations that aren't willing to adjust and and evolve along the way to meet the real needs and to stop doing things that are problematic that aren't working. Okay, with that, uh, enjoy episode 65. God loves you. Brave stories change the world and you are the story. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Ministry Mondays with Meg. I'm Meg. Um, <laughs> I'm Reverend Meg Biddle, and I serve as the National Coordinator of Ministry Life and the American Baptist Personnel Services. Um, and today I uh, have as my guest, I have the honor of having Tony Gapastone with me, um, who has uh, agreed to, <laughs> to let me ask a bunch of questions. Um <laughs> Actually, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a lot of listening. Um, but Tony, would you just introduce yourself and tell everybody who those who may not know you um, a little bit about you, what you do? Yeah, thank you so much for having me on. I love the American Baptist Home Mission Society. They've been so supportive and. I love that I'm a part of you all in some way, so it's cool. So yes, my name is Tony Gapastone. My pronouns are he, him, his. In my work, I've also been learning to do a physical description in case anyone, for whatever reason, cannot see me. I'm a Caucasian man, and I have white, uh, I have black uh, shirt on with some glasses and brown hair, and I'm sitting in my Brave Maker studio that has some cool pink light going on. I am in Redwood City, California, which is Northern California, about 30 minutes south of San Francisco, and I founded and executive direct Brave Maker, which is a nonprofit film and arts organization that's dedicated to justice, diversity, and inclusion. So we really care about education and entertainment and community experiences around the arts. That's That was perfect. <laughs> that was better than any introduction <laughs> I could do. Um, I love that you do that, like that you uh, describe yourself, what you're wearing and your environment. Um, mm-hmm. So let me just ask that first, because um, that's really oh. interesting. What what caused you to start that? I am learning. I you know I started Brave Maker in 2018. Part, well, half I say because I wanted to tell stories. I wanted to be a, a filmmaker and use the arts as a way to impact culture. But I also started it because I knew I was ignorant to so many social justice issues. I was just so unaware of the challenges of so many marginalized people. 
And in doing this work and then this show, we have come across you know, the deaf community and recognizing, gosh, like we need to get better at having captions. Uh, we've come across you know, the blind community, uh, that people that have you know, all these different challenges or in some way disabilities that we have to get better at finding ways to be inclusive. So the physical description you know, is one for people who can't see, right? So if they can hear what's going on, we can create a little bit more of a connection and include them in the conversation with, this is what the background looks like. This is what I'm wearing. This is my ethnicity. This is how I present myself, pronouns, et cetera. And so I'm learning. And sometimes, you know, it takes a little bit of extra time to get going, but if it helps more people feel welcomed to the table and to the conversation, then it's worth it. Oh, you're muted. You're muted, Meg. See, um, I think it's a wonderful explanation and reasoning, you know, for doing this. Um, I mean, I was thinking I have my oldest, my son is autistic. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, sitting in a pew at church. Right. It would have to always be the same pew, always in the back, you know, um, and, and he's very particular and, and, didn't stand up when everybody else did, but, um, you know, how much we do just, I mean, how much that just changes everything just by describing simply where you are located, what, what you look like for somebody. Um, I, I really think that is, that's beautiful. Um, Thank you. And I can't take credit for it, right? Somebody else passed on to me, but I, I think we have a lot to learn, and right. I know a lot. Of, a lot of your audience in the American Baptist Home Mission, you know, community, they are involved with churches. My background: I was a pastor full time, vocationally, for twenty years with one specific local congregation, and then I left to start Brave Maker in twenty eighteen. But I went back in twenty nineteen to a small church here in Northern California that is loosely connected to the, the American Baptist Home Mission Society, which is cool. That's how I met Lauren Ng and got connected to the co-creators incubator, which is how I'm connected, which I'm sure we'll talk about. But I, I have just been so convicted about how much we as the church, as people of faith, could do better, right? Could be more welcoming to people of all abilities. And the, gosh, the way that sometimes we center around a particular narrative and or person and or way of doing our worship gatherings just that idea even for for any child that the idea that be quiet right there's even a sign i, I consult a lot of churches and one of the churches i've had a long-term relationship with i'm trying to address this but there's a sign literally that says shh, children shh, in the main door of the worship you know area i just think like that that sends such a loud message right, about who is welcome here. And I've been a part of churches that will say things, and I have adopted this in my own preaching with my church. Hey, we welcome kids. We welcome breastfeeding mothers. Uh, you know, if you have to make a sound, if you have to get up, if you are more comfortable moving, do it. Because this is not about you being so quiet so you hear every single word that comes out of my mouth. But we need to find ways to worship God together, explore God together in the same space. And that means if your kids need to be playing with Play-Doh or, or coloring or making sounds on an iPad, do it, you know, and that's an adjustment. And if we don't, then if we don't evolve. We die, you know? Right. But that, but that noise that kids bring and all of that, that, mm -hmm. that says we're alive, you know? Um, just gonna, yeah. Yes. You're totally right. 
I, um, that's, that's what says that we, we are alive. Um, so you went from being a pastor for 20 years to mm-hmm. uh, 2018 is when you started this. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't you felt so broken by the church and all, all, it wasn't one of those kind of stories, right? It was. Well, there's a little brokenness. Yes. But not so much that I felt tainted uh, in such a way that my faith crumbled. Maybe my faith was just reconstructing and my idea of the church was remolding, but yeah. So as was filmmaking, was that, or do you do you consider this more filmmaking or is it more you you talk a lot about storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. That's how you preface this. Good clarifying question. I probably use them interchangeably. And okay. I believe, you know, I'm still a pastor in the sense of because I remember when I first left, people would say things like, I can't imagine you're not gonna be a pastor anymore. You're leaving the pastorate. And I would feel a little bit, ooh, that hurts. And then I recognize, oh. I'm not really leaving. I'm not denying my call to be a pastor. I'm just going to be a pastor in a different way. And I really felt the call to the storytelling spaces and the creative arts and film specifically as my ministry, which is why I got so excited when the co-creators incubator came into my world. And it was this alternative entrepreneurship idea that uh, mission society was wanting to invest in. I thought that's, that's what I wanted my church to do because I felt for so long and I'm a person in a majority space in the culture. You know, I'm, I don't often, you know, I'm not marginalized in my identities and all the different things. So I have a lot of privilege and I totally recognize that. And at the same time, there was some of these, some of these messages that I received subtly and not so subtly that my passion for the arts or even, you know, Hollywood, it's it's not it doesn't honor God, right? These places, these things, these ambitions are not the way of Jesus. So how do you utilize, you know, you get these messages. So then what do you do when you have this desire to create, to write, to perform? It feels like, oh, I'm I guess I'm just a narcissist. <laughs> or I guess I just don't care about God as much as maybe I thought I do. So maybe let me really focus on being a preacher because that's how I will really honor God. And then I I felt all that stuff sort of strip away. It took a long time, but I thought, oh, I just was given the wrong messages and I chose to believe them. And now I'm at the place where, no, this is my calling from God and anybody can follow Jesus and serve and partner with God in anything and everything they do. Nothing should limit us. And I think as people who understand calling, you know, you understand that the calling there's the call within the call that yeah. that changes as we change and, yeah. and evolve, you know, by the grace of God, I'm not the same person that mm-hmm. I was, you know, 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but that is, that is only by the grace, grace of God. And, um, and I, I love, you know, that, that you just live into it. Um, this is what I feel like God is where God is calling me now. And, no, I haven't been abandoned God and what I believe and what I love. Um, I'm just living into it a, a very different way, which is, you know, how I how I feel about ministry myself. Um, mm. So when you started Brave Maker, was it all through co-creator? Did you already have the idea just kind of looking for the way to make that happen? How did how did this all come together? 
Yeah. So the idea of Brave Maker came toward the end of 2017 when I was feeling as if it was time for me to go to resign from my church. And I started getting those things in motion. And, you know, my wife and I, you know, we have three children. We lived in church owned housing. Uh, we live in a very expensive market, you know, rental market in the San Francisco Bay. So it was, what are we going to do? And I had always wanted to do film and acting and the performing arts. And I, I thought, okay, so I know people of faith are generous. I know the, the you know, I'm using air quotes here, but the mm -hmm. nonprofit world in which churches do, I, I've lived by the generosity of other people giving, right? My salary was because people gave and tithed and however you want to communicate that. So I thought, well, I know that system. I know that way, that business model, if you will. So I thought I can create a nonprofit. I was inspired by organizations like the Sundance Film Institute. And I thought I'll create this and really kind of launch into it. So 2018, I got all my paperwork, you know, and all that kind of stuff going on and basically began the foundation of it. Well, I was also doing some speaking with some churches and I was speaking in Nevada, California with this church called The Quest and Lauren Ng happened to be attending as a visitor this one day as I was talking about this calling that I felt from God to go out and take a risk in, in this adventure. And she came up to me and she said, you might be a good candidate to apply for the this grant program, this kind of cohort fellowship idea. I said, cool, send it to me. And so I think it came toward the end of 2018 where I applied. And then in the beginning of 2019, I want to say like the first month uh, I, I received, you know, inter, like the, the invitation to attend and be a part of this. And so I was one of six people in the first iteration, the first cohort of uh, co-creators. And it was great, you know, you get a little seed money grant and then you get some mentoring and you're a part of these really cool opportunities where I got to fly to Philadelphia, King of Prussia at the Lamb headquarters there, which is that where you are today, Meg? It is. Yeah, that's where, yeah, that's awesome. where I work out of. Yeah. That's great. So I, yeah, so I just had such a good time being a recipient of a lot of love and care and concern. So I had already had a good amount of work done, but I still was looking to make those partnerships and networking and links. And uh, that happened during that time. Okay. Okay. Um, why did you go 501c3? I mean, why did you, and for those who don't know what 501c3 is, I guess, um, nonprofit, does that allow you more control or... What was your thought yeah. process in that? Because that, that, that's all I really knew. And I, st I still am growing as a business leader. I'm still trying to figure out what does it mean to, I'm running a business, right? So I really just banked on this, you know, f the fact that I knew how to win uh, sounds so like that language of church win people over. I knew how to to tell a story in such a way that they could, they could see the impact of their their financial giving. You know that being charitable has in, an impact on culture and society because I've done that so long with the church. Like people, we have we have grasped these principles, you know, from scripture, from our faith tradition about giving back the things that God gives to us. And I knew I could leverage that. I could tell people which. To be honest, I probably was way, way more naive because I failed a lot or, uh, yeah, let's just say I failed because I didn't really catalyze the church to give to this endeavor because it was a little more outside the box than people were comfortable with. A lot of the giving I got came from uh, more 
um, riskier, progressive people who saw this as an entrepreneurship in the name of Jesus and not necessarily churches. In fact, I, I got a lot of doors shut to me because some people felt some of the work was not what they wanted to give to. And so I was kind of devastated early on. You know, Brave Maker started with this idea, too, of doing community experiences through film screenings and panel discussions. And some of the films and uh, guests I was inviting were talking about difficult things like racial justice, you know, gender equity, LGBT rights, suicide prevention, mental health. And that could be often uncomfortable. And one particular film was about a church and its wrestling with sexual orientation and gender identity. And the church basically said they couldn't support that and they didn't want to be a part of it. So when it comes back to why I went to a 501c3, you know, in some way I'm kind of glad that I was so naive in, 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 in believing that the church would kind of rally behind it. Uh, it's, it's ended up benefiting, you know, for four past, you know, four, four years I've been able to survive, not quite thrive yet. We're getting there, uh, being able to have, you know, a, a place to rent, this little studio here where we're getting more space. And then more churches are slowly, especially after the pandemic, coming out recognizing they need to partner with organizations that are stepping out in faith and having hard conversations. In like fact, this Friday, I'm hosting a show a live performance for one of my friends called Born Again in Berkeley. And it's about a, a white, straight woman's journey with recognizing her, her ignorance in regards to being a part of a church that was not very gracious toward LGBT people and how you know it took her a couple decades to figure that out. And I've been inviting churches, and there are still churches that are a little hesitant to attend because it is risky. It does sometimes make us feel uncomfortable, but sometimes I think that's the best way we grow is, you know, being disturbed and interrupted in what we always do in order to see something new, like, right, having ears to hear and eyes to see. So it's been a long journey, but 501c3 has has benefited for us in that way. Yeah. And I'm just thinking about what you're talking about, the, the, the lady um, and her journey there. I mean, I'm from the Midwest, mm-hmm. you know, I'm from Indiana um, a red state, <laughs> uh, a very, you know, red state. And, and when I say by the grace of God, I'm not the same person, but I mean, those are the things, um, that had to, you know, come apart for myself, um, sure. it, it, that God had to do with in me to go, you know, I, okay, this is where you, this is where you were. And, and we're grateful for that, but this is, there, there's more to it than this. Um, yeah. you know, the, and offend for me now, all is all, you know, um, mm-hmm. there, there is n- not an ex- exception. Um, so I, I think it's, I think it's beautiful that, that justice work that you're doing there. Um, is that what the majority of your films center around is justice and equality issues? I think the, the word justice is, you know, multi-layered and, okay. I hope that justice encompasses just making the world right for all. That's really how I mm. I look at it. Is how how can how do how do we tell stories that make it right for all? That that every single person feels they're getting their needs met, whether they have a disability or not, whether they're a woman or not, whether they're a person of color or not. That you know the mental health conversation, uh, just even um, you know 
gender uh, parity in the workplace, whether you're a business person or an actor or someone on a church staff, you know, conversations around these things, if people are being paid different, but they're doing the same work, that's an injustice. So we, yeah, we, I like that word a lot. I know sometimes it kind of just can be boxed into mm-hmm. one, one thing. And we're still trying to kind of figure out how do we communicate what we do. So we've sort of landed on this idea that we do education, entertainment, and community experiences. And they're all girded with this hope to elevate justice, diversity, and inclusion. So when you share your story, um, you're presenting to a group. Um, Do you talk about Brave Maker? Do you frame it as a ministry? Is that... Or, or, or that business would, model, or both. Yeah, I think you can be all things to all people. Sometimes, you know, as Paul would mm-hmm. talk about, that depends on who I'm talking, right? So, to a mm-hmm. church, I really would say this is my ministry. Now, some people would hear ministry and they would think Harry Potter, <laughs> or they would think some sort of a you know British uh, Parliament type thing, uh, who's who aren't people of faith. So, I'm just really you know I think specific and strategic with how I. Frame Brave Maker, depending on who the audience is. So this Friday night, we're hosting this event in a church building, but we will have, I think, hopefully people of faith as well as people who aren't maybe connected to a specific congregation. And we're going to host a conversation after the live performance. And I try to talk about this kind of nuanced way of how Brave Maker exists. It's not a Christian organization, again, air quotes. I happen to be a Christ follower, but a lot of my team are not. And that's okay. Uh, we, you know, we have people who are uh, Muslim, you know, who are involved in the team. We've have, you know, Jewish people. So that's an important part too, is we're collaborating in conversation together with people of different faiths and backgrounds. And I think it's exciting. And again, if someone's like, well, I'm not going to support it unless you're doing an altar call or unless there's scripture read, then I go, we're probably not a right fit for you. And that's okay. I don't mind that. I know, I know where we're going and it's okay if that person wants to, you know, separate or not support. I've definitely had that happen in the past and that's okay. And that's a great place to come to, isn't it? Where you're just not, I'm so desperate or I'm just, that I have to. I mean, right. a lot of times at the you know the church, especially like the small churches, where you you have people yeah. hold their church hold the church hostage because of the money in the offering plate. You know, well, I'm the biggest giver, so you have to keep me. Um, so I think it's uh, really uh, speaks well of you and and in your organization that you've come to that place where you're like, you know what, that's okay. If you, if you aren't okay with where, who we are. Um, and I think the answer to the question that I was looking for is the one that you answered where you said, yes, you are a Christ follower, but yeah. no, we are not, you know, a Christian yeah. organization. Um, so I, I think that's very important. I think that there's plenty of room. Mm-hmm. For all of us at the table. Yeah. yeah. Um, A lot of people, when we talk about filmmaking too, will say, are you a Christian filmmaker? And I, I usually know what they mean by that, but then I'll say, well, what do you mean when you ask me that question? What, what does a Christian filmmaker look like? Or what does a Christian filmmaker do? And then they'll reference, well, makes these kind of films and they might bring up a, you know, a title that we all would 
you know, would recognize as something that was really made for a church audience. I, I want the church to be a part and to be an audience in the work I'm doing, but I'm not just making things for churches. I'm making things for anybody and everybody who wants to ask questions about faith or who wants to learn more about the injustices of the world or who's willing to step into a place like we did a whole thing this summer where we addressed sexual assault in uh, the athletic industry with a person's short film that was done through Brave Maker by a person by a filmmaker who really survived sexual assault and that's not an easy topic to talk about but we we carved out an hour and a half we showed the film we did a panel discussion and it felt to me like this felt like a church service although maybe Jesus we didn't pray or anything like that but there was these moments where you just felt that it was palpable and it was transcendent and I would say I'm a film I am a Christian who's a filmmaker but not all of my films are going to be appropriate potentially you know or are sought after by the church audience because they don't always you know make you feel mm -hmm. like you're supposed to feel on a Sunday morning. And maybe that's also an indictment too of what we've created on a Sunday morning is this expectation that come happy, make, you know, put the smile on and let's just feel good. Nothing against feeling good, but I think sometimes I want to lament and I want to come and say, I'm not in a great place and that's okay. And that's why in our own church service, we make space for silence and we give people permission to do whatever they need to do to meet with God. And so I always think like that. That's that's what I'm doing in my that's what's in my head as is a brave maker, filmmaker, and the founder of this organization. Is I just want to create space for people to find what they need, whether it's entertainment or education, comfort, healing. It, and it could all happen through conversations and through the stories of film. So how many projects do you have going now? Do you do you say, okay, this is this is what we can handle, you know, or <laughs> I mean, how does it, how does this, or, oh my gosh, we're like <laughs> brand new. We've just got to go, um, kind of thing. Very much. You know, that, that analogy of, you know, launching the rocket into space and you're putting it together while it's in the mm -hmm. air. It very much feels like we ignited and we're launching. We're trying to figure it out as we go. Uh, we do have multiple projects happening all at the same time, you know, because film in whether it's animated or documentary or short or long, whatever, like these things take so much time and so much collaboration. So uh, I don't know, you know, people who watch the, you know, the, the Comic-Con reports or Disney, you, they might be familiar with this idea that they'll show a huge timeline of what the next five to 10 years look like. And they'll have, you know, these five shows are coming out, these seven movies, da, da, da. I try to model that and emulate that in a way that we're going, okay, we know in the next five years, we have, you know, five different feature films, which means like a full length film that we're trying to do. And then we're trying to host a, a film annual film fest for four days every summer. And we're trying to do a short film every few months. And we're trying to hold these classes and launch these new community experiences where, you know, now that we're coming out safer in the middle of pandemic where we can do in-person classes where which we haven't done since you know 20 early 2020 we're trying to say well, what can we do here at our space and then what do we do on zoom so we are juggling a lot and i'm trying to find the balance as a nonprofit. we're always dependent on the resources that we have and i think we do a lot with a little but if i could get more funding 
we could do more. So, you know, and I work other jobs too to, su- sure. to support my family and my, my kids. Uh, so, you know, everything is in balance. <laughs> I do want to make sure that I, I make that little plug um, for breakmaker.com uh, yeah, um, for those who are watching and, and want to go support. Tony and Brave Maker and, and the great work that they're doing. Um, we certainly um, wa- want to say yes, absolutely. Please go support them. Um, Brave Maker. Yeah, okay. we have 25, <laughs> 25 people, which is not a lot. 25 people every month give our lowest givers a $10. And then I think we have one person who gives 500 every month. And that helps us with everything with our rent and our our gear that we need and then when we get a nice little nest egg we can make some films and i can hire people for our events and that is such a gift 25 people every month it's kind of like a church too like you can become a monthly donor and all those donors then get free access to our events and you know special perks and stuff so as you've um become this entrepreneur now Mm -hmm. like how has that how's your leadership like evolved, um, you know, since the beginning of, of Brave Maker in 2018 to where you yeah. are now? A lot, a lot has happened. I'm, I, I, and I love being an entrepreneur and I've really kind of embraced that word and owned it. And I hope the church embraces it a lot more. Mm-hmm. So I talk about that idea that churches can, and I don't like to use should a lot, but could and, uh, could embrace this in such a way that it becomes really influential in who you are as a people. So as a, as a, as a leader of a nonprofit and who's an entrepreneur myself, part of my leadership now has become elevating this idea to others to say, if you want to impact your community, support entrepreneurs. Like our, our church is trying to um, host small business leaders, you know, for cheaper rent, we've built a, an office space that can be rentable in our building because we we see that as a way to extend our ministry to the community. So that's one thing I get you know I get really excited about is trying to do more, experiment more. But as a you know as an individual, what I'm noticing in my life is learning how to say no, learning how to find the right people, hire the right people. It's been a it's been a challenge. I, you know I have this pastor shepherd heart that I will give people second, third, fourth chances. And I often tell people, that's my Brave Maker hat. I put the Brave Maker hat on and I will do whatever I can to help someone who's emerging or aspiring. And at the same time, I have to take that Brave Maker hat off at times and I say, now I'm going to put my Hollywood hat on and, and say, if you really want to be competitive as a whatever director, as a producer, as an editor, you have to work hard. You you have to recognize that this there are, there are 50 more people who are waiting to get into your position and not showing up on time or not delivering upon the things you committed to do, you know, that has consequences. So it's hard, but I think the church could get better at that too, is hiring people well. They say like, be slow to hire and quick to fire. That's one learning lesson as an entrepreneur that's been really hard for me because I want to be so graceful and give people second chance, but that doesn't benefit them. It doesn't benefit our organization and our strategy to create change in culture if I'm allowing people to not fulfill their duties, you know? So it's been tough, but learning to hire and fire well has been a big, a big thing in my leadership that I've learned. So do you, would you say that's been like your biggest um, lesson you've learned? Is that learn to hire and fire? 
Well, yep. And, yep. And that comes with good communication, like being very clear. Like when I hire someone, this is your job description. This is what I've asked you to do. This is the timeline it's on. And it sounds very like, wow, that sounds like very business. But I have had people come to some of my meetings. I'm just really like, ooh, like, like, you know, like chill, laissez-faire, like just people go around the room and, and introduce yourself. And then you've got a half an hour meeting where then all of a sudden everyone's done talking and going on tangents and you have 10 minutes to get something done. And I had one of my potential board members who I'm courting right now, she, excuse me, she came to one of the meetings and she's like, oh gosh, you could totally increase your results, you know, your ROI, return on investment, if you were to set an agenda, give time limits, be really clear about what you expect from people, make sure that every week they are reporting on what they said they were going to do and who's going to follow up. And it just revolutionized how I do meetings. Like I used to be in the church and we'd have an hour, hour and a half, two hour meetings and you kind of, you're like slogged, you're so tired, they're kind of boring. And you go, did we, what did we accomplish? And you go back the next week and it's the same thing. So <laughs> I am like the master of the 30, uh, 30 minute meeting now. I love it. And I think you can get so much done with a short amount of time and people feel freer when they know clearly what they're supposed to do. So uh, communication, making sure everyone's on the same page, reporting back, knowing what they're supposed to do. And, uh, and then also aware of like how much they're getting paid <laughs> because, you know, I want to provide value for people. Yes, we rely on a ton of volunteers and I'll always tell our volunteers coming into the brave maker culture, you can, you know, we've coined the phrase, you can brave your way to a job here. You can eventually, you know, keep showing up as a volunteer. Eventually you're going to get paid to do one of these things. And then I also encourage people to not stick around forever as a volunteer, but find ways to grow a, a, a monetizable skill here. Like that's what I want too, is I want people to build a resume, to link to the Cape, you know, to the coattails of Brave Maker to help forward them and launch them into the, 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 the passions and career and desires that they have for their future. I love that, that, you know, you volunteer your way into, which is very different than what we do in the church. You know, <laughs> that's just, uh, that's where one, we're asking for money and then we're, we're asking people yeah. to pretty please volunteer to, you know, work the bake sale and the, and the, and the, right. you know, right. and take the yeah. offering and, and write all the, um, but here, and then just the encouragement that don't, don't be stuck in that rut. Um, mm-hmm. And stay in one place forever, you know, make something else, make something for yourself. Yes. Um, yeah. Uh, so what's one, one thing that you wish somebody would have asked you or one thing? Yeah. You wish somebody would have told you, you know, a long way, or you could tell yourself, you know, looking back, what's that? Mm-hmm. I wish I would have known this. Yeah. The, the asking part is so important when you're an entrepreneur and especially as a person who's raising funds, I wish somebody would have taught me that you need to be able to be very specific and bold in all of your asks. Don't, don't tiptoe into these meetings and say like, I, uh, maybe could you, would you, I, I know like, I, like, Hey, I am here because I have something that's amazing. I believe in this so much. I'm sa- I've sacrificed my life. Uh, I gave up insurance, a house. I gave up all these things. I believe in it so passionately. I think if you were to believe in this too, you would see it change your life and you'd have exponential impact in our community. Can I count on you for $10,000? Like That's what I've had to get good at. And before it was kind of like praying, hoping something was going to happen. No, 
Nope. You got to ask. You got to ask a lot. And you got to be ready to hear a lot of people say no. A lot of people ghost you, not respond. And sometimes that first initial ghosting or uh, you know crickets on an email doesn't mean no. You got to email again. You got to text them. Boop. You got to call them. You got to schedule an in-person meeting. Because I have had one of my funders take almost a year and a half before I received a check. And I saw them and met them in person and they were super excited. And then it was like nothing. And then I'm emailing and calling. So I wish somebody would have taught me that early on because that has been a, a hard hill to climb. And you have so much, you know, personal uh, impact upon you when really it's not about you. It's about the other person and how busy everybody is. So don't give up. Go, go, go. The people who are successful as entrepreneurs are the ones who do not give up and keep going. And don't stop until you hear them say no or I pass because a, a quiet, a silence, that's not a no. I will make someone say, are you in? Do you, are you able to, can I count on you to give? Or are you not able to support that at this time? Are you not able to give anything? And that makes somebody have to decide what do I want to say? Yes or no? Yeah. No, I like that a lot. I mean, I think about what we do in, with giving in the church, you know, it, it kind of, kind of becomes that, that yeah. I'm sorry I have to ask you for money again, but, That's right. That's you know, right. but it, wow. Um, you don't need to apologize. We're giving people an awesome opportunity. I, and I'm not someone who's got a lot of money, but I remember when, you know, youth group kids and former college students from my past would ask me and I would kind of go, I don't got a lot, but I can give something. I would always like give someone 25 bucks, right? So don't censor anybody in your life. Grandma, next door neighbor, everybody can give and give and tell them. Cause I remember I'm, so a, a woman who was like kind of getting emotional, like, I'm so sorry. I felt embarrassed. I could only give so much, you know, she'd send a, send a, a set, set a dollar amount. And I said, that means a lot. Somebody, I had a, a college student giving me $5 a month for three years. And she mm -hmm. said, I gave up a coffee for you every week. And I love that. Like, yes, give what you can. And that says a lot about how you can support and believe in somebody like me, like any entrepreneur or, you know, nonprofit leader. Do you feel like this entrepreneurial spirit, is is that really um, where ministry is headed? You know, I mean, we see what's happened in the church and church is closing and then, you know, the midst of COVID and what COVID has done. Um, I mean, having some of that, at least having part of that spirit, is that a requirement to be in ministry, really? Yeah, I don't know, Meg. I, I, I don't I don't know. I don't know really what the future is holding. I definitely have some strong opinions about mm -hmm. where I think the church could go. And I would say if the church doesn't start thinking about uh, creating businesses and business models and or supporting entrepreneurs and young business leaders, I, I, I don't know. Um, maybe I'll, I'll say that in a different way. If, if churches don't start decentral, decentering from Sundays, then they'll, they'll die. It's the churches that have preschools, the churches that have aftercare programs, the churches that have fitness opportunities, the churches that use their campus as a, uh, a rental venue, you know, churches that say to the community, hey, school, you need a, a PTO meeting space, use ours. Here's what my church does in Novato, California. Uh, they open it up to the local arts 
uh, contemporary art museum and they have art gallery exhibits every three months and it's phenomenal. Mm -hmm. It's so great. Our church also hosts seven different recovery meetings and they, they can monetize that, right? Cause they're renting. Mm -hmm. So I think the church needs to recognize what they're going to do with their spaces because the Sunday morning experience is from what I see in many places dwindling. But if you could say this building can be used and repurposed in other ways, I think, and you see that as an extension of what it means to be the church, I think, in my opinion, you're going to see some growth there. Yeah. Yeah. Because the less being married to the space that you're in and, um, you know, seeing ministry is the things you do and the spaces you gather in, not just, not necessarily just that one specific space. Yep. So really, if for somebody who thinks, you know, okay, I love to do, I love to draw, um, or I love doing my blog. I love mm -hmm. doing, you know, is, is your, your advice to just like go for it? What do you tell somebody that says that, <laughs> that schedules one of these meetings with you? It says, Tony, I want to, I want to have a show on Mondays where I get out there and I just talk to people. Um, and I'm just a normal human and yeah, I happen to be a pastor. Um, what do I do? You know, what, what do you tell people? I'd start with asking a lot of questions first and listen, like what are your ultimate goals, right? What do you hope to achieve? Why, why do you want to do this? And if it's, some of the responses that come back, if it's because I want to be famous or you no, know, because I want to make a lot of money or because I, you know, just have it within me or because it, all of those things are it's like a tree. You're going to figure out the why and the what and the how, you know, Simon Sinek, who's a very well-known entrepreneur, you know, he talks about the why behind the what you got to start with the why, like, why do you want to do it? What is this in you going to achieve? Is it something that you just can't live unless you do this great now does it matter if you get a huge following does it matter if the you know ministry mondays live stream has 10 people on it every and i don't know I, I can't see does it matter well good then okay then just do it and be consistent if it does something for you and you feel as if it, what it does in you is going to have an impact on others and you sense a calling from god even if you don't sense a big the heavens open and you hear the voice of God and, and she says, whatever, you have to do this thing. You have to try. You have to experiment and you have to be willing to fail. I'd say go for it. But again, that would come from after a long conversation of asking some really important questions. And I'm very much about setting goals and, and metrics and saying, why not? I like the idea of practicing or trying. The church doesn't use that experiment word a lot. Let's just practice. Let's just try it. Try it out. Let's, let's, let's experiment with this idea and see where it goes. And maybe we'll learn something along the way. And then we could adjust and try or we can close the door or not. And your why is just that this is what you love and where you felt your call was taking you? Is that, I mean, yeah, my, my, yeah. Yeah, my why is definitely because I I love this and it satisfies my soul. But the why was also I believe that stories can affect change. I believe that stories can, I'll say it, save lives. If someone could hear someone tell a story, you know, my first feature film, I'll be showing it on Tuesday night. 
in Space for Grace and when we go to uh, Missouri. It's called Last Chance Charlene. I made Last Chance Charlene because I lost my grandmother to suicide and I was a pastor at the time uh, and it, it wrecked me in a very deep way. A lot of people did not know how to handle or say the right thing. A lot of harmful things were said with good intentions, right? I made a film because it was within me to need to tell a story, but I also knew telling that story was going to help other people move forward in their own healing. So that's my why with Brave Maker. I want to do it. I love doing it, but I also see the power that it has to help to save people's lives, to entertain them, to educate them, to give them an experience with the divine. And if they don't have any of those things, to just be a place where they feel seen and connected to know that they're not alone. Have you had those experiences yet where people have said, Hey, I watched your film and it changed my life. Yeah, we have our, our film's only been out since April, but we have had some really great conversations with people so much that we, have created a resource, a workbook with some grief specialists that's available. So those of you who will be able to see my film in September, I will share it with you. You can even you know check it out now. It's at bravemaker.com slash last chance Charlene. That's the name of my film. But there's a PDF there. You can see all about the film. And we created with partnerships with two amazing grief specialists, Alana Yadav and Kim Hanlon. They created a workbook to help people process grief of all kinds, not just grief by death to suicide or any death, but grief of a divorce, grief of sending your kids off to college, grief of disappointment for a job that you hope to get that you wouldn't. And, you know, grief is a large part of our life. So if I could make a film that could help someone else process what's going on in my life, then I feel I feel really successful. So a lot of our films are going to, offer these type of resources. Thank you for putting it on the screen. Bravemaker.com slash last chance, Shirley. Yeah. Um, I think that's uh, very, very important. And someday I'll tell, I'll tell all my story, but um, it, it, it speaks to me. Um, we'll make sure you come and see it. And I think it's, it September 20th, Tuesday night. Yeah, I'll, I'll have to bring, I'll have to bring tissues. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it'll, please. It'll, it'll be, it'll be one of those. Um, um, my mom is one that struggles with mental health issues. So um, things like that um, are. They're real. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are. And, um, and I, and I can't articulate, <laughs> articulate how um, important yep. um really things having having those things are um to people um because I, i'm sure that you you are changing lives um thank you the one the one question i i want to ask you is the one that i ask everybody is my joy question um so in all that you do you know you see so you still do the pastor things you have other what what brings you what brings you joy Mm-hmm. I'm a husband and a father and you know I could get emotional just thinking about this but just mm-hmm. taking time because life is busy it's full I, 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 j- I just started volunteering at my kids school as the crossing guard because they didn't have one the school was so shorthanded and I, I honestly did it reluctantly <laughs> 
But finding joy in the sacrifice of saying no to other things I want to do in order to benefit people around me, like my kids, like my wife, that definitely brings me joy. Uh, uh, we say in our house all the time, like, take it in, just take it in. Because we're always, you know, getting out the door this morning to even get here to my office was just so chaotic. <laughs> this is our third week of school. We're still getting, you know, carpools figured out. And it's a lot. I'm tired. <laughs> but there's such joy in that sometimes when you just stop. I look at my kids walking to school. I get a, getting to hug them in the crosswalk. It's those little beautiful moments that can bring me such, you know, satisfaction. Not walking on a red carpet, not speaking in, you know, in a pulpit and being applaud, getting applause afterwards. It's those little ones, those little moments that nobody really sees but you and cherishing them. Kind of like what we heard of Mary, right? She cherished all those things in her heart. And uh, that brings me joy. Yeah. Oh, I get that. I get that. Mm. Um, I am so grateful to you for That's giving right. your time, uh, for meeting with me, for sharing part of your story. Um, I encourage those who are watching to, if they haven't already, you know, come join us, sign up, come to Space for Grace and, and meet Tony and, and be a part of this. Um, it's going to be great. Um, if you're not able to join us, you know, get, connect with Tony. Um, you can go to bravemaker.com. And I still have the last chance for a link because I think that's really important. <laughs> Guys, um, go check that out. But um, su support BraveMaker um, at, at BraveMaker.com. Um, and I'll say a thank you to ABHMS uh, for letting me do this. Um, just giving me the opportunity to fall over my words. and <laughs> um, But talk to some really great people about the things that they are doing in their life. Um, and these are available on Facebook um, at ABHMS and at Judson Press and also somewhere in YouTube land for <laughs> ABHMS. So, um, and we're here every Monday. Um, and and again, uh, to my, my guest today, Joey Gap, Gapastone, um, I say thank you. Thank you so much. Thanks, Meg. Yeah, I was good. I, I like talking and, and having someone ask good questions. Uh, I, I always say, like, you know, I don't have all the answers, so I can just do my best to respond to the questions that come to me. So thank you for asking really powerful, poignant questions. And I'm very active on social media, so if anybody wants to reach out, find me. Our Instagram handles bravemaker.org, O-R-G. You can find me at Tony Gapasone or Tony at bravemaker.com. Happy to connect with anybody. And if you have any students that want to learn about filmmaking and storytelling, we do have internships and we have people from Austin, Texas, Grand Rapids, Michigan. Love to get some more East Coasters because you know the world is digital. So we can help support you and your students yes. in their desires, no matter where they are. It's a beautiful thing. So thank you, Meg, for hosting. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much for, for doing this. Thanks for listening to Holy Cannoli. If you liked my dad's podcast, please subscribe, give it a review, and share it with someone you think would be encouraged by it. Holy Cannoli Podcast is a proud production of Brave Maker Media. For more information or to donate, go to bravemaker.com to make your tax-deductible donation today.